Do you know what I'm going to do tonight, Parker? What's I, that? I've, I've challenged myself, okay? I got a little bit of time tonight, and I have no interest in the Thursday night football games. But the, the Pete Thamel take on linebackers being the weakness for Oklahoma has gotten, and, and someone had said the solid verbal guys, which again, I don't have any idea how any of you people can listen to that podcast. I like all those dudes, but them together, oh, it's, you're worse than that 918 texter that can't stand me. I, I, I don't know how you guys listen to that. But I'm, I'm in search of the worst overall takes on Oklahoma through the first five games. That's what I'm in search of tonight. Pete Thamel's linebackers are the weakness is pretty high. The solid verbal they've really struggled at tackling this year would be pretty high. So that's my goal tonight. Hey, where can I find the worst overall takes on Oklahoma football? Now, some of you might say, just listen back to this show. That might be fair. I could be guilty of that. But come on. You can't you can't sit there on a national network that is not an opinion based hot take place. And the College Game Day podcast is this is information. It's just bad information. It's literally the worst information you could give someone to tell them that the linebackers are the weakness of the Oklahoma defense. They're the strength right now. (laughs) So that's my goal tonight, Parker. I'm going to find the worst overall perspectives on OU football. See what I come up with. What did you say the solid verbal said that OU had struggled with tackling? Tackling. That was a take. Again, like, are are these people a year behind? Do they think well, they're I, watching 2023 Oklahoma, but they're actually watching 2022 Oklahoma? So I was thinking about this a lot earlier on the Pete Thamel take. Oklahoma's really only had probably one game that anyone's really locked into. And even at that, there were other games going on around Oklahoma and Cincinnati that day. So I'm, I don't think that – I don't think people have really paid attention to Oklahoma, honestly. And I think – what you uh, what did you say earlier? People are kind of telling on themselves is what's happening. Now, do we watch them closer than just about anyone? Absolutely, we do. Absolutely, we do. But that's that's our job. That's that's your passion as a fan. But to just have flat out bad takes like that, it's come on. If if Stutzman, Mechanic, and McKinsey or whomever, if they get if they get torched tomorrow, if they get cooked, all right, then we can our Saturday. Excuse me. Then we can have that conversation. I just don't see that as being the case. They've been, they've been the best part of the Sooner defense so far this year. Stutzman's a candidate for the Butkus Award. I mean, and not the preseason where everyone's a candidate. We're five games in. All right, we are at Cavens on a Thursday. Cavens emergency response. A lot of rain. A lot of rain. If you have any water intrusion issues, you need to call them now. 405-573-3048. Don't wait. Because that can become mold, and then you have a bigger issue. All right, let's roll on. OU Texas Week, presented by Boyd Street Ventures on the Ref. It's time for our top five stories of the day. It's time for the top five stories of the day, brought to you by Newcastle Casino. Newcastle Casino, where real gamers play. Mm, okay, okay, okay. I've, I've Patrick is nominated. The guy on ESPN had some stupid things to say about OU. All right, I'll find that. I'll find that. Drew from Flower Mound is in is in with me, too. Drew, though, does right. I have no interest in Thursday night football. Plank, that is something a Raiders fan would say. Fair, Drew, but we are talking about Washington versus Chicago tonight. 
I mean, listen, we're not. If this was Green Bay, Detroit, like last week, I'm in. Washington, Chicago, come on. Top five stories of the day brought to you by Newcastle Casino. You heard the man where real gamers go to play, newcastlecasino.com. I-44, exit 107, the best reels in the metro. Big story number five. Number five. Parker. Mel Tucker is fighting for his yob. Of course According, he is. Well, well, I guess maybe more specifically, he is fighting for his $80 million. What's, <laughs> the, long, what's the longest letter you think you've ever sent anyone? Just, I, I think I've sent a, a, a page long. Maybe a two, I wrote a two-page letter to my grandfather whenever he was ill. Because he's like, I'd love to read while I'm going through chemo. I'm like, so I wrote him a two-page letter. That's about the longest letter I've ever written to anyone. Gosh. Now, I've had p- papers that are like 25-page papers and things of that nature. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm just ballparking. What's the longest letter you've ever written? Well, my, see, my generation doesn't really write letters. That's blank. true. We write emails. So, like, I, I don't know that I've ever written a letter longer than one page. Mm. Mm. Mel Tucker's lawyers sent a 106-page letter. Hello! <laughs> that presents new evidence to Michigan State's interim president and board of trustees Thursday morning as the administrative hearing tied to the misconduct allegations against the Spartans football coach begins. 106 pages. What font we use in there, boys? 16? We triple space in everything? Yeah, that's not a letter at that point. That's a book. (laughs) The letter, which is from one of Tucker's attorneys and was released widely to the media, says the woman who brought forth the claim against Tucker that led to his firing, sexual assault awareness speaker, Britta Tracy, quote, appears to have made a career out of misleading and manipulating people. Oh, boy. Are we opening up a Pandora's box here? The letter attempts to detail contradictions in the allegations from Tracy, who filed the former complaint, the formal complaint against Tucker with the school's office and civil rights in December of 22. It says she manipulated a key witness, deleted key evidence, and selectively gave transcripts to the Office of Institutional Equity. Sorry, my screen's cracked. My screen's cracked. I was like, what's the query? Oh, equity. You know what I would do if I was Michigan State? What would you do? I'd be like, Mel, you want 40 mil? Here you go. Go away. <laughs> <laughs> you want half? Here's 40 mil. Go away. I, I'm just saying, because this is going to get ugly. Ugly for Michigan State. Ugly for Mel Tucker. And it sounds like it's very ugly for Brennan Tracy. And I'm telling you right now, I've had to pay for an attorney to draft like one page for me. A 106-page letter? I mean, y'all, we're like in five figures that probably cost if not more to get that thing written out and then the amount of research that it went into it it can't be cheap from al tucker on his attorney fees what um what has been the reaction in the old cruton world to this because i know there's a lot of people that have eyes on michigan state players they can jump in the portal now but then obviously they can't officially start people can contact them when they're in the portal but what what have we made of this right now? Because it, I mean, Mel's gone. He's going to get yeah, fired. This yeah, is all about getting well, his money back. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like the Mel Tucker era at Michigan State is over. It's just a matter of how acrimonious things become on his way out the door. But from a recruiting perspective, you've already seen several commits renege on their pledges to Michigan State 
One commit from the state of Ohio, four-star safety Reggie Powers, is actually a guy that Oklahoma has made a push for, and they're going to host him on an official visit for the UCF game on October 21st. So Oklahoma took that opportunity to kind of chum the waters for any and all Michigan State commits that – uh, they would eval or have an interest in evaling and potentially uh, recruiting. Reggie Powers is uh, seems to be right now the lone guy that fits the bill in that regard. But yeah, it's definitely had an impact on recruiting. It's certainly had an impact on the on-field product. And you would have to figure that come season's end, there are going to be a good deal of Michigan State Spartans that explore their options in the transfer portal. Have you heard what my man Bernie Fratto? Reported yesterday from Fox Sports Radio. I did. And Bruce Feldman immediately came out and said there is no truth to the report that Michigan State is uh, considering Urban Meyer for that vacancy. But I I don't know, man. Like, is Urban Meyer the new Bob Stoops? Is he the guy that is – I mean, anytime there's a high-profile coaching search, his name just gets thrown around whether there's any legs to it or not. I guess. And you know what? Here's the thing. Just to, and, and Bernie Fratto, if you listen and you have insomnia on the weekends like I tend to on Saturday and Friday night, Bernie does the overnight show here on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, he's based in Vegas, and he's very dialed in in Michigan, like very dialed in. But to me, it's always been Michigan over Michigan State. And he reported yesterday that Michigan State had reached out and consider, and is considering uh, – Urban Meyer as a candidate for the Michigan State job. And as Parker perfectly points out, Bruce Feldman was quickly like, no, 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 there's nothing to it. Now, I haven't seen if Bernie doubled down on it or not, but I don't – listen, I mean, with all the problems in the past for Urban Meyer, as much of a legend as he is, I don't think that's the direction you can go when you just had to fire Mel Tucker. Is that – I mean, I just – doesn't seem like that would make a lot of sense. I think you're looking for a Kenny Dillingham type mm, who, does, who doesn't have all of his players injured at the exact same time. Oh, my gosh, Arizona State, what's going on? Uh, all right, that gets us to big story number four. Number four. Which college football. We got two more games tonight. You get Western Kentucky at Louisiana Tech, Sam Houston at Liberty, Last night, two eh, blowouts. 42 straight days of college football started last night. 42 straight days of football. Jacksonville State beat Middle Tennessee 45-30. to New Mexico State beat Florida International 34-17. to But i got to tell you something, Parker. You and I don't get to hang tomorrow. But I'm actually pretty excited about the Friday night slate in college football. Because not only do you get Nebraska at Illinois, but how about Kansas State at Oklahoma State? Like, if you're Kansas State, and you're going to the Big 12 championship game in your mind, right? You went there last year. You want it, you're the defending champ. Sure, you lost to Missouri, but in the whole scheme of things, that doth not matter in your chase for the Big 12 championship game. You are a double-digit favorite on the road in Stillwater. You cannot allow Oklahoma State to have a pulse against you on Friday night. If you're because in the next week, what's it? Kansas State and Texas Tech. So I think this is a fascinating game tomorrow night between the Wildcats and the Cowboys. Yeah, I mean, things have the opportunity to go from bad to worse for Oklahoma State, and it is a win that Kansas State certainly needs if they want to stay in the Big 12 title hunt. Because right now, regardless of the outcome this weekend, Plank, I and many others see the Big 12 championship in December right now as a pretty inevitable 
rematch too. between Oklahoma and Texas. Me too. Absolutely. 100%. All right, number three, big story number three. Number three. Uh, well, the, the the baseball series didn't necessarily pan out like we thought or maybe hoped that they would. We were at least hoping for maybe a couple of more games, but the Rangers, well, they had different ideas. The 1-1. Swing and a drive in a deep right field. Low back into his left. It's off the track and high off the wall. Here comes Simeon going to second is Seager. He slides in ahead of the tag. Back-to-back RBI doubles for Simeon and Seager, and the Rangers lead 7-0. Uh, the Rangers would go on to win 7-1. to one. I mean, you just you couldn't have a more disastrous two-day stretch for Major League Baseball. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, we got all these fun series. Uh, they're all over. The Rangers will play the Orioles on Saturday. So we get two days off from baseball. Saturday at high noon for Texas and Baltimore in game one of that five-game set. Meanwhile, after the Rangers took care of business. The 0-2 to Varshow. The Minnesota Twins made really quick work in the MLB playoffs of the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, so the Twins move on to a series that starts on Saturday. Everyone starting on Saturday, by the way, against the Astros. That's 345 on Saturday. Then in the National League. Swing and a fly ball, shallow left field. Yelich racing in. He can't reach it. It's down. Walker's going to score. Herrera to third. Guriel with an RBI base hit. It is now 5-2 Arizona. And the Arizona Diamondbacks became the second road team to win three straight, uh, two straight, sorry, in the best of five series as they beat the Brewers 5-2. And then you want to talk about an electric atmosphere. Let's take you to Philly where the party went over the top. Lefty on lefty, the infield is in, and the pitch to Bryson. Fastball hit in the air, deep to right field, going back is Sanchez. He's going to just watch it go! A grand slam for Bryson Stott! He has lifted the roof off the building! And the Phillies have opened it up, they're on top 7 to nothing. Phillies, uh, with that touchdown, roll over the Marlins. Just, I mean, let's just be honest about it. If you're a baseball fan, kind of a gross two days. Not, and, and you had no rooting interest. So the Phillies win 7-1. to one. The uh, Diamondbacks won 5-2. to two. So here is, when we're all watching football, here's your baseball schedule on Saturday. High noon, Rangers at Orioles, FS1. 245, Twins at Astros, 345 on FS1. TBS, the Superstation, has the Phillies and the Braves. And then the late night game, Diamondbacks and Dodgers also on TBS. Those are best of five series all right number two number two got a lot of nfl stuff here quickly to get to including joe namath taking back his criticism of zach wilson we lost the game i was fed up i said probably said i sped up i'm tired of him let's move on you know when you lose as you're a fan you you, you you're really frustrated they're not going to I didn't think for a minute they're going to get rid of him, but of course they're going to stick with him, and he's going to improve. Hopefully he's going to keep improving. I said it, I take it back now. I hope he stays for 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Travis Kelsey, Travis Kelsey is kind of like, hey, NFL, you're, you're ruining my vibes here just a little bit. Is the NFL overdoing it? 
What is your honest opinion? Not I think, take away. I think everybody's away just like overwhelmed your feelings with for Taylor. <laughs> what is your honest opinion <laughs> on how the NFL is treating celebrities at games? I think it's fun when they show uh, who all is at the game. You know, I think uh, I think it brings a little bit more to the atmosphere. Brings a little bit more to to what you're watching. But at the same time, I think uh, they're overdoing it. They're they're overdoing it a little bit. For sure, especially my situation. Right. I think they're they're just trying to have fun with it, and um, a lot of uh, a lot of the people watching. Go ahead, let's hear it. I just think the NFL is not used to celebrities coming to the games. I think he's right. NBA's used to it, right? NBA's used to it, but we have. I mean, isn't it fair to say, Parker? We have absolutely lost our collective minds on this Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey stuff. Yes, it's ridiculous. The amount of coverage that it's getting, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Oh, maybe they feel like they need to do it because tonight they look at the schedule and they're like, oh, my gosh, we got Washington and we got Chicago. They're debating right now on first take whether or not this uh, Bears team, who has played a whole four games, is worse than the 0-16 Lions. They do know there's college football on, right? I mean, they, they know <laughs> there's there's other things you can fight about than uh, for a quarter point of the season, and you're fighting about if they're worse than a team that didn't win a game. Gets us, thankfully, gosh, goodness sakes, big story number one. Number one. Number one. Number one. Uh, we're waiting to get an update on Tavian Sanders. Steve Sarkeesian has his press conference today. Uh, he does a second press conference in anticipation of game day. He's done it since he took over. But I'm, uh, I'm not seeing anything quite yet. Not anything quite yet. But I'm... Uh, I don't think we're going to get any information. That's what that's what I think I would do as a coach. That's, unless he's out and he's having season-ending surgery and he's going to be over there on crutches. I mean, I don't think that's the case with Jatavian Sanders. But he's one of the three big injuries that we'll be keeping an eye on for Texas this weekend. Um, it's not just Jatavian Sanders. You know, Ryan Watts. Ryan Watts, their cornerback. He's their nickel corner. He's not the... Uh, or, sorry, boundary corner. He's not necessarily their best guy, but and gets picked on a lot. But it looks like he might be uh, a game time decision. And I don't know what's going on with Cole Hudson. What do you think about Javante Barnes, Parker? Have you heard anything? You think he'll be ready to go tomorrow or Saturday? I just I, I've given up trying to figure what in the world is going on with that situation, Plank, and when he's going the to same. be. If and when he's going to be a hundred percent. One thing that was clear earlier this season when he was playing and he was getting carries, is that he just he didn't look like the same guy as he did a year ago, which made you wonder. And like mm-hmm. it wasn't all that shocking when Venables came out and said, yeah, he hasn't been 100%, and it's kind of a funky deal right now because something was very clearly off about Javante Barnes' game. Yep. Yep. Way off. Way off. All right, it's, um, it's 11.22. When we come back, that's your top five stories of the day. We'll hear a little bit more from Todd Bates and from Bill Beanbow. Uh, and your text. They've been great all day long. We'll take us the rest of the way right here on a Thursday. OU Texas week on the Home of Sooner Fan. A couple of notes that I dug up on Texas that I found interesting. And this is with the understanding that Cole Hudson has battled a, a, a few injuries, and we'll see if he's ready to go. And speaking of which, I saw it on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line and watching a little bit of Kansas and Oklahoma, uh, Kansas and Texas last week. Parker, do you think Calvin Banks is 100%? Uh, based on what I've seen from last week, 
I mean, I the way it was phrased to me yesterday, I was getting asked a question about Oklahoma's injury situation, and it it rings true the uh, the observation that you're you, you're no longer at a hundred percent once you're out of the womb. So technically, <laughs> going into a game like this, nobody is truly at a hundred percent. But now it didn't it didn't really seem to me like Kelvin Banks was completely there. Mm. Mm. I don't know. Texas That's just one man's opinion. Highly subjective. Felt the same way though. That's that. That can be two man's opinion. Then Parker, you can okay. put me with you on that one. Beautiful. Uh, Texas has all five starters back along the offensive line: Banks, Connor, Majors, Hudson, and Christian Jones. It's the first time since at least 1993 that all five starters returned, and just the 11th time in the last 30 seasons in which at least four starters return from the offensive line. And they've done, a, they've done what appears to me to be a really nice job. You know, it's, again, there were issues on Saturday with Calvin Banks, and it really seemed as if it really seemed like Texas went after him. But as far as, as, far as protecting the quarterback and as far as what they've, uh, they've done with the emergence of Jonathan Brooks in the running game, I mean, I, I got to be honest with you, it's as, it's as good as I've seen this season, and it bears out. You know, Texas is, you see, where were they? I had it nationally here, and now I've lost it. I believe that they were in the top 50 of the country in sacks allowed. Yeah, here they are. They are well, fifty. They're they're tied for fifty-seven. They've only allowed nine sacks this season. Yeah, you know, a little bit of a higher number than Oklahoma. But again, you're going up against Alabama in that too, right? And they've done a really nice job in protecting the quarterback. So I haven't heard anything. Oklahoma, by the way, in comparison, for as much as y'all sit around and rip and dog and destroy this offensive line, they're currently thirteenth in the country. They haven't even allowed a full sack per game. Uh, but, you know, it's funny. So much about the running game, but yet in that, are you surprised at all as how as to how much we've seen Dylan Gabriel become an active runner on this team? I think he's third on the team in carries. No, honestly, right now, honestly, Plank, and I don't know how widespread of an opinion this was, but I figured going into the year, and we talked about it throughout the off season too, that mm-hmm. you were probably going to start to see Dylan Gabriel run the ball a little bit more freely because you no longer had the imminent threat of Gabriel getting speared in the side of the head and then suddenly you're hamstrung as an offense because you recruited Jackson Arnold. He got to campus in January, immediately displayed a very high degree of comfort within the offense. And so having a guy like that in the stable if you need him, as opposed to what the Sooners had last year if Gabriel had gone down – allows you a greater degree of freedom to be able to deploy Gabriel as a runner because you're not constantly worried about, oh, boy, what if he turns his ankle wrong? Or, mm-hmm. oh, what if he gets sandwiched between two defenders? That's going to shoot our season again. It it, it won't. Like If right. Dylan Gabriel were to get hurt, God forbid, then, yeah, the Sooners would feel that. Obviously, making the change from a fifth-year senior who's – been in Jeff Levy's offensive scheme for three seasons as opposed to an albeit very talented true freshman who's still pretty new to it, you'd feel that. But by the same token, you would not get completely derailed as an offense the way that the Sooners did a year ago. It's wild to me. You know, we're kind of ping-ponging back and forth towards around different storylines. But I brought up, hey, you got to keep in mind they went up against Alabama's defense. I completely forgot Alabama didn't even touch. I didn't sack when yours. 
than sack him once. Meanwhile, on that other side, what, Texas finished with five sacks, I think nine, ten tackles for losses. They've been good in big games. They've been really good in big games. And I said this yesterday. I don't really know how to quantify it. I don't know the best way to put it. But teams do a really good job of shooting themselves in the foot against Texas. <laughs> a really good job. Ten penalties, two turnovers from tech, uh, from Alabama against Texas. It's it's weird. Oh, hey, hold on. Uh, Shep is listening in. Sark said Jatavian Sanders looks great and will be able to go on Saturday. Ryan Watts will be a game-time decision. Okay, so there you go. Now, how much of that is strategery and how much of that is legit? I, I That sounds pretty legit to me, Plank. Because, me too. Like, if, if he's saying out in the open that, without a doubt, Jatavian Sanders is playing, there's there's no subterfuge that could even potentially be involved there. If you're unsure about Jatavian Sanders, then right. you're not given a clear answer. The only the only situation I think in which you're giving a definitive answer on Jatavian Sanders availability is if you are confident that he's going to be a go and that you're not going to have to worry about his health the morning of. Hmm. Good information spotter Shep. We'll see, I I guess so then his presser just got underway. We'll see if we can't effort that audio before we get out of here and see what what more to make of it. So there you go. Big news breaking right here on the ref. According to Steve Sarkeesian, one of the big question marks to Tavian Sanders looks like he'll be good to go. Meanwhile, we'll wait on the corner position and the availability of Ryan Watts. Looks like he'll be a game-time decision for Texas. Have we taken our bottom-of-the-hour break yet? We have not. Okay. Let's get a timeout. Your text um, Primrose Funeral Services, final thoughts, all coming up on a busy Thursday from Cavens Group, Cavens Emergency Response. You got a lot of rain last night. Make sure there's no water intrusion. Call them today at 405-573-3048. It's the Plank Show. All right, we're hanging out at Cavens Group on a Thursday, 405-573-3048. The party gets started early tomorrow morning, 6 to 9 a.m. Park. Parker, you getting up at 6 to 9 with Toby and Tyler? Uh, I'll be up early. I don't know if I'll be up that early. It's not even Toby and Tyler. Uh, 69 a.m. tomorrow, Toby and TJ from the Omni. Uh, I'm going to be at Therapy to go in Ardmore. Steel Man and Thune, Steely at Riverwind, Parker at the Omni, uh, and that's where Locked In and the Rush will be for the entire afternoon. As our OU Texas Week coverage is brought to you by Boyd Street Ventures, bringing Oklahoma innovation to the world. A one-of-a-kind Firm, venture capital firm, Sooners Empowering Sooners, under the radar, above the crowd, BoydStreetVentures.com. All right, this is good from Cody, who writes, Can y'all start giving shirts away for bold predictions? I'll stick with mine. Peyton Bowen with a kickoff return. He built enough trust to get that chance. I don't know. Do we have shirts? I think we do. Cody, I'll hold back one if that is correct for you. I'll hold back one. I know you got a whole show. You got four hours essentially to do tomorrow, Parker. But anything that's really kind of jumping out that you think is going to happen on Saturday? (laughs) X factor wise, sleeper pick wise. X. uh, Here, well, here's the one thing that I have learned to expect every single year in this football game is, for the most part, the vast majority of what happens on the field is going to be stuff you don't expect. 
This game mm-hmm. always has the element of surprise because that's just the nature of the rivalry. So, yeah, I, there are certain things I expect, but I, by the same token, I've almost learned not to expect the things that I expect, if that makes any sense. So It does. It makes 100% I, it's, sense. It's what makes this game so much fun, though, man, every single year is because you go into it with an idea of what's going to happen, but somewhere along the way, there's a play, there's a moment – there's a period, there's a drive, there's something about this game that's going to keep us talking, not just for the week to come, but for an entire offseason. I've already got my open written for tomorrow's show. Okay, let's hear it. Because I don't think anyone really truly has grasped what Saturday means. Because if you're sitting here today and you're like, hey, I'm picking uh, Oklahoma to beat Texas, do you understand the ramifications of that? That means Oklahoma suddenly goes from being a team that no one really seems to know a damn thing about. I mean, Pete Thamel, ESPN's mighty college football arm, Pete Thamel, is saying that Oklahoma's weakness is linebacker. The solid verbal guys, those nerds that you just think are the smartest thing to ever cover college football, they're sitting there telling you how Oklahoma has struggled at tackling this year. It's becoming very obvious that nobody knows anything about this Oklahoma football team. You do realize the ramifications of what happens if the Sooners win on on Saturday. They become a playoff team. It's no longer, it's no longer. Hey, you know, we'll see if this defense can get things figured out, and you just wait till David Stone and the other Justin Jefferson is no, not Justin Jefferson. Jaden Jackson. Jaden Jackson. I knew I had two J's. Okay, I was close, but it's no longer. Wait till we get these guys in here. Nah, we're in it. You guys watch NASCAR when there's a restrictor plate tra- uh, crash and they'll show the end car and the guy just throws his hands up because he's in it? We're in it. We're in it, <laughs> that's man. That's a really good analogy playing. If, uh, I, I think it makes sense. I'm a NASCAR loser, so, I mean, that's just all I do is watch old NASCAR races. But in seriousness, you go from being, eh, you know, it's, well, I hope people start talking about us, I wish people were educated about us, to everyone's going to have an opinion about you and everyone's going to suddenly catapult you into the playoff conversation. Now, there'll be questions about, is Texas really all that? This is Texas imploding again. Obviously, Alabama's not what we... But if, if you're in, in win, confidence, when Oklahoma wins on Saturday, we're not talking about, man, I just hope this team wins 10 games and plays in the Big 12 championship. We're talking about a team that then suddenly becomes a favorite to make the playoffs, a favorite. Nobody has stepped up and done that yet. Georgia has been anemic offensively. Alabama's already lost on the uh, at home to Texas. Ohio State, that was a great game against Notre Dame, but nobody's looking at them as a slam dunk. No, they're not invincible. To me, right? to me playing, like, right now, today, as we sit here, I think Michigan looks like pound for pound the there best team go. in the country. That's the one program to this point where I'm like, I don't really have a bone to pick with what they've accomplished thus far through five weeks. And were- things can obviously change in the second half of the season, but right now, Michigan seems like the one sure thing in this playoff race. Yeah. I mean, it's wide open, y'all. So I'm not, y'all, I am not complaining about it. <laughs> Oh, by the way, I just got scared for a moment because TJ goes, how many shirts do you think you're, you'll need? I'm like, well, so far only Cody has given his prediction. So no. uh, I don't know, TJ. You you know me. I'll have all those T-shirts if you give me two or if you give me ten given away in the first five minutes of the show. Um, 
but I, I just expect this. There are so few times in life and in sports where you get an expectation changing moment, where you get a foundational shifting moment, where you get a day that could change everything. And you might say, Plank, you're being drama. No, I'm not. Oklahoma wins this game, everything changes. You know what this would be like for Oklahoma, Plank? This game, this moment. Like you Go talk ahead. about expectations shifting. This would be for Oklahoma in 2023 what the Oklahoma game was for TCU in 2022. That's a great that comparison, was, Parker. That was the day where everybody nationally took note of TCU and went, whoa, okay, so maybe this team is actually really good. Yeah, 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 that's a that's a perfect comparison. I, I, can't, I can't do any better. We've spent so much time this offseason, the, the Royal Week, not just y'all, not just Parker and I, and, you know, Par- Parker and I are blessed to do three hours a day here on this incredible radio station. Uh, Parker does a podcast. I do a, a podcast. We, we write. We listen, I mean, nonstop, on nonstop, baby, are we talking about Sooner football. And this offseason, this offseason when people were trying to find that sleeper championship pick, that TCU for 2023, what were they looking at? All right, who's some off-the-radar teams? Texas Tech? Tech Tina knows? Tech, uh, uh, LaDonna from Lubbock was probably tired of hearing about it, right, LaDonna? But it's all you heard about was Texas Tech, man. Joey McGuire, Joey Juice, he's got it. Watch out. Uh, people would look, and there's still teams in it, like Oregon State was brought. Hey, Oregon State could be that team, right? Some people even thought maybe in the maybe in the Big Ten. I, I don't want to get too carried away here with other Big Ten teams, but I'll just say it, like in Illinois or somebody. But nobody thought or stopped for a moment that maybe it could be a blue blood. Right? Because we're expecting an Oklahoma – has been in the playoff conversation for so long that when they dropped off the map last year, it's almost as if everyone kind of stopped and thought, ah, you know, two or three years down the line, we'll see. You win Saturday? Suddenly, it's Oklahoma that becomes that team where everyone's like, where the heck did they come from? Because they haven't been paying attention, and you should be noticing they haven't been paying attention by the stupid things people are saying about this team. So, it's a great comparison. It's a great comparison. It could do for them. Now, someone was like, no, uh, OU versus Nebraska 2000. Man, I don't know about that. And I don't think I would go that far. Because, I, again, that was a that was a program opinion changer. I think Oklahoma's program, I think everybody yep. feels like it's going to be okay. That changed the whole perception <laughs> of the program. It's not bad, Lost City. It's not bad at all. But, yeah. That was yeah that that OU Nebraska game in two thousand was where the Oklahoma Sooners became the Oklahoma Sooners of the two thousands as opposed to the Oklahoma Sooners of the nineteen nineties. Yeah, um, and, and it, it's true. Doug and Norman asks Plank in an interest of balance reporting, what is your narrative going to be if Texas wins like thirty five twenty? Are you guys big enough to admit admit that the national analysts that you were mocking were right? Um. Yeah, of course. If the linebackers go out there and play like crap, <laughs> I'll be the first one right there and saying, how overrated are they? But to this point of the season, Doug, it's incorrect if you're saying that the linebackers are the weakness of this Oklahoma football team. That's the reality of it. 
And it's incorrect to say that they haven't been tackling well. I mean, those are truths through five games. Now, if things implode Saturday and they don't tackle well and the linebackers play like crap, well, then we've got a whole other bevy of topics that we can dive into. But sure. I mean, you act like I would come in here on Monday and be like, nothing to see here. The game didn't happen. Let's talk softball. I mean, come on. Stop. All right, quick break. When we come back, our final thoughts presented by Primrose Funeral Services on the wrap. Our final thoughts, as always, are brought to you by Primrose Funeral Services. Because you want to pre-plan. It's not anything anyone ever wants to talk about, but pre-plan. Make it easier on your family and your loved ones. PrimroseFuneralServices.com. All right. Uh, Much like yesterday, the crew at Primrose has been kind enough to give the final thoughts to you on the Knippmeyer Chevrolet text line. Parker's in for Josh. Josh is sliding in with Steelman because Parker is headed to see Jonathan Hatton tonight. Is this the uh, youngest guy you've ever scouted, Parker? No, no. There is precedent for me going to watch a, uh, a high school sophomore, even a freshman. I mean, admittedly. I was also up at Lee's Summit North to see Caden Green and Williams Winery at the time, but I, I, I mean, I was out there scouting Isaiah Mosey when he was a freshman too. Uh, so th- he's not the youngest guy I've ever gone and scouted. As I mentioned earlier in the show, he's certainly the youngest commit. Sophomore. He's a sophomore. Sophomore. That's wild. So Drew England checked in off the text line. He writes, my three keys on Saturday for a OU win. Number one, offensive run blocking. Can we have success running the football? Number two, defensive line. We have to get pressure on yours and make them unsettled. Number three, secondary. We have to be careful jumping routes versus Texas. Our eyes need to be in the right place. And what was one area last week where we saw a couple of issues? I discipline. I discipline. Yep. yep. Um, the 405. Is Austin Stogner... Over 150 yards receiving bold? Uh, Yes. If so, I'll take that for a free shirt. (laughs) Listen, okay, let's be real clear here. It's not the boldest prediction that you can come up with. It's something that is bold that you think will happen and that it actually happens. I don't think – I love Austin Stogner. I mean, maybe this is the Austin Stogner Renaissance game playing who knows, but on the year, (laughs) that guy's got four catches for 37 yards. Uh, Ryan from Norman writes, I think the people not giving Tawi Walker his due are the thousands of running back coaches stretched throughout the fan base. Yeah, it seems like we got a lot of running back coaches that follow the Oklahoma Sooners. Jesse writes, I feel sorry for Javante Barnes. There is nothing worse than a my ex-wife injury. Get it? Nagging injury? Hey, now. Um, that's pretty good. Guys, writes Joe in Tulsa. The line we have now, pretty much the same guys we had during the FSU game, plus we added Rouse. Parks played instead of Rouse. All the NFL guys sat out. Point is, we should be dominating the line of scrimmage. If Rouse or Everett struggles, put Bird, Parks, or Sexton in on the left side. I don't know that Rouse has necessarily been struggling. Right? I mean, I, I Bill Beanbow spoke glowingly of him, but I know that Against Cincinnati, he sat down for a couple series. I don't, you know what? It's it, you know, honestly, I don't think I've seen Aaron Park step on the field this year. And Jacob Sexton, he's been in on a, and, and he's almost back to one hundred percent. He's not quite there yet. 
But I don't I don't think it's been a situation where Troy Everett has struggled. He's just he's not the typical size that you have for an offensive lineman. By the way, I do want to say <laughs> I, I don't know if they're gonna let me write the preview again for football. Because whenever I uh when I was talking about like guys to keep an eye on, obviously you write about Walter Rouse, but I <laughs> And maybe this was because he had a good f- spring camp. But I wrote about Connor Neal and how I thought he was going to be a difference maker. Speaking of guys, I don't think I've seen step on the field. Has he stepped on the field outside he of has special teams? In, okay. in garbage time. In All garbage right. time. He's third team at linebacker right now. Okay. Um, <laughs> somebody from the 501 said, bold prediction, a fox will again run loose onto the field. Dude, 2021 was so crazy that I forget that happened. I That was one of my – you know what? You know how sometimes when you tell a joke, you've got to say it twice, uh-huh. and then when you say it the second time, you're like, "I just had to repeat the joke. I'm a terrible person." But that was—I thought that was one of my my best lines ever in 2021. I'm like, "This fox probably came out of his hole and was like, what are all these people doing here in my home?'" Because the cotton bowl so rarely used. Get it? Get it? And then I like said it again. I was like, "Okay, no one's laughing at this joke right now." Uh, one more quick one. We had a lot of turnover on the roster, guys. How many players are still on the roster that were on the roster when Muleshoe was here? Not that many. Not many. <laughs> Very few. Very few. I'd have to count. But among scholarship guys, I, I would say the number is no greater than 15 or so. Yeah, and, you know, Coach Venables talked about it. they got 50 guys that are going to be making their first appearance in OU Texas this weekend. It's a different feel, man. It's a different attitude. It's a different uh, energy. Uh, safe trip to San Antonio, Parker. Always fun when we get a chance to hang. Thank you, my friend. It's been a great three hours. It's been a quick three hours. Uh, Gary Cavins and his crew here at Cavins Emergency Response Group here to help you at 405-573-3048. Steelman's on the mic with Josh Helmer next on The Ref.